just a little over five years ago. It was the Sunday after Easter. I don't know if you're aware of this, but Sunday, Easter Sunday can be kind of a stressful time for those of us who are in ministry. It's kind of our Super Bowl, you know. And it was a Sunday after Easter, and I, I needed a break, just, just one Sunday away. And Lincoln was having their high school retreat that weekend. My daughter was going. So we decided that we would just make it a family thing. We would all go together. We, we'd get a hotel room there in Lincoln. My, our son, Connor, could swim in the hotel pool. We would eat someplace exotic like Atlanta, I guess, Illinois. <clears throat> And we just have a weekend to ourselves. The plan was to meet our, our daughter and her husband for lunch on Sunday. So the only real question was, where do we go to church? And we looked at several of the options in the area. We picked one. We thought, yeah, this this will work. This will be interesting. So we uh, we planned on going to the early service. But, you know, the planning and the execution <laughs> is not always the same thing. I got up Sunday morning and went down to the hotel lobby, got my free breakfast that I'd paid for. Came back to the hotel room, woke the rest of the family up, and that's when I realized that getting four people ready in one hotel room with one bathroom might be a problem. I, okay, we, we can still make it. It'll be fine. And we started getting ready. Everybody's getting dressed. And, and then at some point, someone said, I need breakfast. I said, that's great because there's a perfectly good free breakfast that we've already paid for down in the hotel lobby. I, I don't want that breakfast. Okay, so we're going to go through the drive-thru at McDonald's. Not a problem. Then after McDonald's, for some reason, there was a trip to Walmart. And I'm looking at my clock, and I'm looking at the miles ahead of us. I'm looking at the church service schedule, and I'm thinking, I don't think we're making it to the early service. Maybe we can make it to the later service. And so we started making plans to do that. And then I started looking at the road ahead, and I'm watching the GPS. I'm watching the time, and I think, I don't think this is going to work. And so we started making other plans <clears throat> and that morning, the Sunday after Easter at 10.30, my family and I stumbled through the doors of Southside Christian Church for the first time. There's Connor. We still do that. Back there, I think, somewhere. You know, I told Brooks that story. I told the elders that story. Brooks said, that's our model. We're, we're the church you go to when you just can't make it anywhere else. I'm like, I know. That's how we got here. But when we got here that Sunday morning, we were greeted, we were welcomed, we were helped. Connor and I spent a lot of time back in the family room as we continue to do during services now. But I have to confess, with all the stress that morning of getting everybody ready, getting everybody in the van, getting everybody to church on time, no one, especially me, but no one in our van was quoting Psalm 122, verse 1. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And if we're honest, we've all had that experience on the way to worship once or twice, maybe maybe more than we'd care to admit. And we kind of hear David's joy as an indictment against our struggles and our, our, our stresses. But then again, David didn't have our families, right? He didn't have our problems. It doesn't say there in verse 1, I rejoiced with those who said to me, He's touching me. 
I rejoice with those who said to me, stop licking your sister. How did you lose your shoes on the way to church? Why do we have to go to Walmart? If you don't settle down, I am turning this camel around and we're going right back home. And sometimes it's family. Sometimes it's the weather. Sometimes we're just tired and it's the aches and pains of life. Sometimes it's just hard to show up. And yet I long to feel what David feels about gathering with others for worship. I long to have that kind of joy for just showing up. We're in Psalm 122 this morning, if you hadn't caught that, 122. If you're using those Bibles that are in the chairs in front of you, it is page 500, Psalm 122. The, the heading of the psalm attributes it to David. This is one of his songs. Uh, the heading also tells us this is a song of ascents. Your Bible gives you four, or excuse me, seven of those songs of ascents. Songs sung while ascending to Jerusalem, while, while ascending to the temple, while gathering for worship. And as you read this short psalm, you hear the journey. You can imagine the trip as David, through this song, takes us on a pilgrimage with him. Verses 1 and 2, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. You hear it, don't you? You hear the joy of the journey. Now, now, now be sure of this. This is not David loading up the family in the van once every week and taking them to the temple for worship and promising them they're going to have lunch if they're good. This is a pilgrimage. It's a feast festival. There are three of those every year. Passover, First Fruits, and the Feast of Booths. But, but David's joy in the opening two verses is in anticipation of the feast. His joy is in the journey. His joy is in the prospect of just showing up. <laughs> just show up. That's the title of a wonderful little book by Drew Dick. Uh, the cover of the book declares that it is a guide for exhausted Christians. Does anyone need a guide for exhausted Christians? Can I get an oh yeah, I could use one of those? A guide for exhausted Christians. It, Drew distills our commitment. He distills our discipleship, our fellowship. He distills our pastoral care, our spiritual formation down into just three words. Can you guess what they are? <laughs> just show up. He writes, we're not called to change the world. God doesn't require us to do something big and dramatic to fulfill His call on our lives. Instead, He calls us to what? Just show up. And that's why David is rejoicing, because he's going to show up. There is something else in verse 1, though. It's kind of subtle. You, you might have missed it. Did you notice it? David's joy in verse 1 stems from his invitation to show up. Can you imagine it? Someone invited King David to go to worship with them. Did you notice it's right there in verse 1? I rejoiced with those who said to me, let's go. Let us go to the house of the Lord. You know, there are people in your life, they're just waiting for an invitation. There are people in your life who are waiting to be welcomed, waiting to be included. Did you know that for the majority of people who used to go to church, people who are former church attenders, the majority of them say that they would accept an invitation to come back 
They would accept an invitation to, to, to come back. But, but so you see, before they can show up here, we need to show up for them. And we simply need to ask, would you like to come? Would you like to come with us? We'd love to have you join us. We think there's something special here at our church. This is important because it's not just about showing up. It's the realization that there is strength and there is support when we show up for each other. Obviously, we're all here for the joy of, of worshiping, of, of singing praises, of connecting to Jesus. And obviously, David has that joy of connecting to, to God as well. Worship was so central to David's life. But don't miss that the joy isn't just in worship. The joy is in worshiping together. Not just time alone with God. Not just me and my Jesus. But, but, but what we do together, the recognition that what we do together is vital to entering into the presence of God. His presence is all the more known when we show up for each other. In verse 2, David and his companions' feet are, are standing at the gates of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, uh, they, they enter and what do they see? Verse 3, Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. Jerusalem is built like a city. Well, duh. It is, in fact, a, a city. But you see, for, for David, Jerusalem is more than just a city. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor for what we do together. He says Jerusalem is closely connected. It is bound together, closely compacted. That's important. Cities were places of refuge. Cities were places of support. When the people in the surrounding countryside and the hillsides, when they were under attack, they would flee to the city for protection within its walls. They would find safety and security in the city because together we are stronger. Together we are able to withstand more. Verses 4 and 5, this is where the tribes go up. The tribes of the Lord to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. There stands the thrones for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. You know, before we came to Springfield this past fall, uh, we watched you. <laughs> well, we, we checked you out. We followed you online. And I remember last summer, those storms, June 29th, that's my birthday, by the way. And for my birthday this year, I got no electricity, uh, no dinner out, no nothing, just sitting there by candlelight. It sounds wonderful, doesn't it? It wasn't. Our power was out for days. I know your power was out for days, but we watched you. We saw your support. We saw how you opened your doors to your neighbors so that they could find a place to, to come in, a place to relax and work, a place to get some Wi-Fi, maybe most importantly, a place to get some air conditioning, and charge their phones and, and find community. But we saw you packing meals, disaster relief right here in Springfield. I, I've seen your care for your neighbors and your neighborhood. David says of Jerusalem, he says of the temple, it's not just a place of worship, it is like a city of refuge. Southside is a refuge for so many. You know, that kind of support, of course, is not just for our neighbors. You feel it too. You, you find it here as well. <laughs> this is a scripture we love to quote. We love to make it all about church attendance. Do you, have you heard this one before? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. 
Look at the broader context, though, beginning in verse 23. Let us hold unswavering, unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see the day approaching, you hear that, let us consider, let us do that. Don't just hear that for yourself. Someone here desperately needs to know that you have hope for them, that you have hope for them. They need your encouragement. They need you to spur them on to love and good deeds. They need you to show up. See, we don't get that kind of support without showing up, without being closely compacted together and present to offer each other the support that we need, bringing others into the presence of Jesus begins by just showing up for them. David is eager, not just for the journey, not just for the companionship. He is eager to be in the presence of God. Jerusalem is more than just a city in this psalm. It is a symbol of God's presence here, now. God's presence in space, in time. And in the same way as we gather, our focus is on the the presence of Jesus but we cannot miss that being here together is integral to our awareness of His presence. You hear that as David concludes this psalm with his prayer in verses 6-9. through Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. It strikes me that this is the kind of prayer that God loves to use us to answer. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, but as we do, we continue to realize we're the ones who bring the peace Those who love you, those who love you should know peace and security simply because you are with them and you're there for them. By the presence of Jesus in you, you bring peace for them. The way you show up, not just in the easy times, but in the difficult times as well. I think back to that Sunday a little over five years ago when our family showed up here at Southside. Our family has challenges. You've probably noticed that. And honestly, it would be far easier for us when we do get a vacation, we get some time away, it would be far easier for us just to say, "Ah, let's just sleep in on Sunday morning. No one's going to miss us. We'll be back to church next week. It's not that big of a deal. But, But we've decided, we've committed that our challenges cannot become excuses to not show up. It's not just a matter of not forsaking the assembly. It's not forsaking a chance to meet someone, to greet someone, to encourage someone, because as much as we need to be here, I have to believe there's someone else who needs us to be there for them. You and I don't show up just for the sake of worship. We show up for the sake of each other. Listen again to verses 8 and 9. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. You hear it, right? It's not just about David and God. It's not just me and my little worship. It's for the sake of family, friends, for those present. 
And I have to wonder, who is that person for you? Who's that person for you? When you walk in and you look across the auditorium and you see them and you lock eyes on that person, you smile, you breathe a sigh of relief and you say, oh good, they're here today. It's so good to see them. Have you considered that someone else gets that from you? Have you considered that you bring that to someone else here for their sake, for their peace? To whom are you bringing that gift? by just showing up for them. We're standing on the edge of a new year. What's 2024 going to be for you? This is the year I'm going to lose some weight. I'm going to finally get rid of that spare tire. I'm going to pay off my debts. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to get past Leviticus this year. Not going to complain as much. Well, if there's one thing I can't stand, it's people who complain all the time. I think it'd be wonderful if we all just declared for ourselves that 2024 is going to be the year that we show up. Show up for church, show up for our family, show up for our friends, show up in the lives of someone who needs us. I want to give you three challenges from Drew Dick's little book, Just Show Up. And when I call these challenges, let me just say this, these are barely challenges. If your option is, I'm going to lose 30 pounds, or I'm going to do these three things, do these three things. It's so much easier. First challenge is, is simply this, <laughs> just show up. <laughs> That's it. That's the challenge, just show up. I know some of you are looking for places to serve. Some of you are looking for places to get plugged in, to get involved. Consider this, before you find a place to serve, just serve by showing up. We will call it the ministry of attendance, and you're in charge of it. The ministry of attendance. We, we, call it, we can call that because your presence is just that important. Now, for those who are already showing up, let me offer another challenge. Show up for something new. Find one thing in 2024 and show up for something new. Maybe it's a family dinner. Maybe it's a group. Maybe it's an event. Simply commit to find one, put it on your calendar and say, I'm going to show up for that. Just pick one, one thing new, one thing different and show up. And the last challenge is this. And the last challenge, you can actually start today. You can get a jump on it today. Every Sunday, find one person here. Every Sunday, find one person and say this phrase to them. I'm glad you're here. It's as simple as that. I'm glad you're here. Someone needs to hear those words. Someone needs to hear those words. They need to know that they are noticed. They need to know that they are appreciated. They need to know that they would be missed if they weren't here so that they can rejoice with those who say to them, let us go to the house of the Lord. Let them know you see them. I'm glad you're here. Let's just show up.